you open your Bibles, please, to Mark, Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. <clears throat> I thought my voice was doing better, but now it feels <clears throat> struggling. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. And if you remember, I believe it was from the last time that I came that I preached here. I preached on Christ in the healing of, of, a, of a leper in the previous chapter. But now we come to the events that immediately follow that in, in Mark chapter 2. And we'll begin our reading in verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, and reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is, it, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Amen. This is the word of the Lord according to the wondrous works of our Savior. Before we come to hear preaching of this, of this passage, let's ask the Lord for help once more today. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank You for bringing us into Your house this day, for the Word that we have heard, for the fellowship with Thy people, those whom You love and You gave Your life for. Lord, we give Thee thanks that we are counted among them. We are able to fellowship with the children of God. We come now... We ask that you would open our eyes to see Jesus in this passage. That we would hear what you would have us to hear. That we would know what it means to be forgiven. And please work this in our hearts. And grow our faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Like so many stories in the Bible, this one... You could say it begins standing on a dirt road outside of a home. And as you look at that home, there's a crowd of people gathered around it. 
They are gathered tightly around the door, shoulder to shoulder. There are, there are people in the windows, perhaps sitting or pressing, looking in, trying to hear. But oddly enough, they're not creating a loud noise. They're not making a big ruckus because they're listening. And you hear what they're listening to. There's one man you hear speaking in that house. And it's Jesus. He's preaching to these people who have gathered to hear Him. He's preaching of the kingdom of God. But you look over, and coming down the street to this already crowded house are four men. And those four men are carrying something between them. It is a man, a shriveled up man, laying in his bed. And these four friends are bringing their paralyzed friend to Jesus to heal him. This is the desire that is on all of their hearts, but they're in a hurry because Christ had already, he had been in Capernaum before and he had left in a hurry last time. And so they don't know when he's leaving. So they got to get their friend to Jesus. And so they come hurriedly to the home, but they get there and there's no getting inside. They can't push past these, these people who are all gathered to hear, especially not holding their friend. But they've got to get him to Jesus. And so somehow they get the idea to get on the roof. So they get on the roof and they can kind of tell where Jesus is because he's the one speaking in the home. And they can kind of see where everyone is looking in the home, like what direction around the windows and around the door. And so they get on the roof and they decide they will tear a hole open in the roof because they have to get their friend to Jesus. And so they tear that roof open and they see Christ at the bottom preaching. Around a shocked crowd, they lowered their paralyzed friend and they get him to Jesus. And he is there at the feet of our Savior. But then this story it takes an interesting turn because Christ goes up to this paralytic and he says to him, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Those words stand almost at the center, but definitely at, at the heart of this story. It changes the focus in our eyes from this just being about a paralyzed man who is, who's come to be healed, and it focuses, focuses our attention on what this man really needed. That was the forgiveness of sins. And you see that's even the emphasis by what Christ said to the Pharisees afterwards when He said, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. That's why Christ said it, so that you would know I have power to forgive this man his sins. Do we know that? Do we know that Christ has power to forgive us of our sins? And I think as Christians, we can answer yes and no to that question. Because surely there are days for us where we can rejoice and we can say that we have been forgiven. You know, perhaps things are pretty smooth sailing in our lives and there's no great trial that we are going through. But 
We fall into sin. And I was even speaking with someone about this before the service, and we we can start to see God like men, or even like our parents who have a limit where you do enough wrong, you test their patience long enough, and men tend to have enough eventually. And forgiveness runs out with men. And we start ascribing this to God and we wonder, you know, I've messed up for a long time. I've done something really terrible. Is there still forgiveness? Does He have power on earth to forgive sins? Because Satan is here to persuade us that there is no forgiveness. He does not want you rejoicing in the forgiveness that is in Christ. He would have you believe that you have tested His patience and now time is out and there is no forgiveness. So live in misery. For you have lost Christ. But our Lord knows the devil. And He knows us. And so here's this story. He comes to us and He puts it before us this afternoon. And do all the objections of our heart, all of our unbelief, and everything the devil would have us to believe, he comes to us and he puts this story in front of us. And he says, yes, I forgive. Look. So that's what we are going to look at this afternoon. As we hear this word I've entitled, The Power to Forgive. The Power to Forgive. We only have two parts to this. The first is seeking forgiveness. And the first thing under seeking forgiveness is paralytic's need. You see, the word paralytic, it, it doesn't describe this man's disease. That, that's not a name of, of a disease. It is an effect of a disease or something that had happened to this man. It just means that he had been paralyzed. Whether that was from a Infection, disease, or just even fallen and broken his back. He was paralyzed. We're not sure how, how much of his body was paralyzed, whether it was the waist down or the neck down. And we don't know exactly how he became paralyzed. That's one of a lot of details that the Lord leaves out of this story. But there is something we do know about this man's paralysis. And that is that Everyone taught this man was paralyzed because he was a great sinner. And so the Lord paralyzed him. That was taught in every church, by every teacher and preacher, that this man was very wicked because of the state that he was in. That was proof of it. But you imagine the condition that this would, that, what this would have done to this man. As he, heard, as he heard that teaching or that preaching, they would even perhaps have said it to him directly. that You are paralyzed because of your sin. And what is he going to do to, to find forgiveness? In, in their eyes in that day, what was he going to do to walk again? He's paralyzed. If he has a broken spine, what is he supposed to do with this broken body to appear to be forgiven in the eyes of the men and the teachers that are, were around him? We're preaching this 
prosperity gospel that men have just repackaged today and has never died. But as false as that teaching was, it did bring up something that was true about this paralyzed man. And that's that he was a great sinner. And more than anything else, he needed to be forgiven. And just like his paralysis, he could do nothing to earn the forgiveness of God that he so desperately needed. And time is running out for him. Because if he can't find this forgiveness that he can't even work for, that he can't even strive to have, if he can't find this thing that he can't even reach, he's going to come before the Lord with his sins. They will be on him as the last time we gathered here and looked at the leper. They will mark him as spots that he cannot get off. And he will come before the Lord to be judged, unable to hide who he is and what he has done. And he would be judged by the Lord when his time came. Unless he could find forgiveness for his sins. In this paralytic's mind, I just want you to notice here particularly that he saw the forgiveness of sins and the healing of his body as being very close to being the same thing. We separate them more in our minds today, but to him it's like you're talking about the same thing. But that was his need. He needed to be right with God. But secondly, under this, you see the persistent friends. These, these men are very interesting because we know next to nothing about these four determined friends. They never say a word. And as soon as their work is done, as soon as they break open that roof and, and lower their friend through, you never read of them again in the Scriptures. They come and they go. But the one thing that we have of them is their persistence. It is their faith that the Lord honors. Something that we should honor in them. What, but what made them so persistent? What made them, you know, you come against this, this obstacle where there, there's no way you are getting your friend to Christ. What made them have such ingenuity and such just determination to say, well, we're going to get off, we're going to get on the roof and we're going to tear a hole in it. And we're probably going to have to fix it later because they tore a hole in it. And we're going to lower our friend through and that's how we'll get them to Christ. I believe it was two things made these men so persistent. The one thing was that they saw the face of their friend. They saw this man who needed forgiveness and who could not find it unless they got him in that house. And the other thing they saw and that they believed was that Jesus was able to heal this man. That in their minds, He is able to forgive him of their sins. And so we look at this, and if we desire to aspire to be like these men, that is the two things that we need. We need to see those people in our lives who need forgiveness. Your co-workers who are unsaved. In your mind, picture them because one day standing before God in judgment. They will stand there. Every single person that you know that is unsaved will stand there. And they need forgiveness. You have to see their faces, but you have to see the face 
of your Savior who is willing and able to forgive them, all of them, all of the faces that you see, your co-workers, your family members, all of them. And that, that breeds the persistence that will make you tear holes in ceilings and get them to Christ. Whether it's by prayer or whatever means necessary. But we go on here. The third thing under this is their faith. When the work of these friends was done and Christ saw them on the ceiling after they had lowered their friend to the floor, the Bible tells us that Christ saw their faith. Some men, they, they read this story and they say that, that these men were surprised when, when Christ said to the man, thy sins be forgiven thee, and that they were more focused on, on just getting him healed. But I don't believe that is the case. As I already mentioned, I think to them that healing and forgiveness were kind of the same thing in their mind. And I don't think that they were surprised that their friend found forgiveness for his sins for two reasons. And the first is that in chapter 1, Christ was preaching... And a man that was possessed by a demon cried out and he called him, Thou Son of God. And Christ had to silence him. And later Christ would be healing and and casting out demons again in the same town in Capernaum. And he had, as it says, to silence the devils, the demons who were calling him the Son of God. But I think it's reasonable to believe that that men did hear them and that it did get around to some extent that that is what they called Him, the Holy One of God. The second reason that I think that these men, they didn't just look for the healing, is that what, what is the reward of faith? What, what does faith get when it lays hold of the Lord? When it, when it pursues His promises, faith gets what it seeks. It gets the promises of God that it lays hold of. It finds those things. That is the faith that these men had. They believed. They believed that Christ was not just a teacher. That He's not just a preacher. And I do believe they, they believed that He would forgive their friend's sins. We come secondly and finally here. Look at finding forgiveness. And firstly under this, we look at the pardoning words. After Christ sees their faith, He says to the paralytic, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You know, Mark's Gospel is the only one that records that Christ looked at him and said, Son, and that, I believe that is, that is Mark, the Holy Spirit, taking the emphasis that we looked at the last time that I was here, and we looked at Christ's compassion when He healed the leper, that His heart was moved with compassion to heal Him. And that compassion is found towards this man to forgive his sin because He says to him, Son, that's a familial term. My son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
Well, there's something there's something in Christ's words that we don't see so easily in our translation. The word forgiveness, the, the Greek word that is used is in the perfect tense. And the perfect tense emphasizes something. It emphasizes that what has been done has a lasting effect. You would use that word, you would use that tense to emphasize that this is, this is not just a one-off thing. This is something that is done, but it continues. It goes on. That's because when Christ forgave this man for his sins, He was not just saying, I forgive you for what you have done. No, He's saying, here is forgiveness. I am giving it to you. You have it, and you will never lose it. Never. This forgiveness will be yours forever. It is not something that could have been taken away from him. Every ounce of guilt that this paralyzed man had before God, the guilt that he rightly had before God, all of it was gone. Never came back. Gone forever. In Matthew's Gospel, it's no surprise that Matthew records that, that Jesus said to this man, Be of good cheer. Because he had every right to believe he that he had every right to be of good cheer because of what Christ had done for him in this moment of time. The world had seen this man as a great sinner, and all they ever did was remind him of how great his sin was before God. But that man, he got something that day that all the preachers and the teachers of his day didn't have. And that was forgiveness. Full, free, and final. Forever this man became a forgiven man. But, there is an objection that is raised. We look at that now. As there always is an objection. There were Pharisees in that house. This is early in Christ's ministry, and they're, they're investigating this, this teacher who's drawing large crowds to himself. And you, you picture these Pharisees. They are arrogant, jealous men. And here's this teacher who's gathering all these people to him. Well, let's, let's find out. Let's investigate. Let's see why they're, they're coming to hear this new teacher. And one interesting thing also about this is that in this house where there was no standing room and everyone is shoulder to shoulder, tightly packed, it says of these Pharisees, they were sitting down. They were sitting down to hear Jesus and probably making it where not as many people could even get into the house because they were taking up extra room. But these men object. They say, or they they. They think in their hearts, in their minds, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? You know, they, they would have made that objection because these legalists believed that they had the way to forgiveness. They had the list. They had everything that you had to do to find forgiveness with God an unaccomplishable list of ever-changing tasks that man made up to make himself feel better about who he was. But there is some truth to this objection. 
because no one can forgive sins but God. You know, I move on. I move on from that. But we see here the proof of forgiveness. There's an objection. No man can forgive sins but God. That is true. So what is the proof that Jesus forgave this man's sins? Christ, He read their hearts. And I think you could probably even see it on their faces too, their objection that they had in their hearts. And He says to these men, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? That can be a, a difficult question for us to understand, but to understand it, I think it just helps to answer the question. Which is harder? To tell a paralyzed man to get up, grab your bed, and go to your home, or to tell him, Thy sins be forgiven thee? They're both impossible. In, in, in our culture, in our day, and I think this is very, a very old idea too, that there are many stories of, of evil spirits who bring healing, like temporary healing to people, and then they come to collect later. In the Word of God, there is absolutely no record found of the devil healing anyone. The only thing that Satan does in this Bible is cause damage and affliction and suffering. God alone removes that suffering. He is the only one in this Word that heals men. And when you take that perspective and you put it on what Christ said, then you see that both of these things are impossible. So, they're impossible to everyone except God. But these Pharisees were more picky about the forgiveness of sins and the fact that only God can tell a paralyzed man to get up and go home. But Christ, He did it in that order. He told this man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. And He says, This is My proof. You object and you say, okay, I cannot forgive this man for his sins. And so he looks at them and he says, okay, so that you may know that I am the Son of God. Or that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he just turns. And he says to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And the man immediately gets up and he goes home. You had two impossible things that could not be done. This man's suffering, there's no healing for it except it be from God. There is no forgiveness for this man except it be from God. Jesus says, so you know that forgiveness, the invisible thing you can't see has happened, here is the visible Arise. Go home. 
And this man who was bound to his bed had his body restored, whether it was a broken spine put back into place or whether his muscles had atrophied and he was nothing but skin and bone who had nothing to even move his legs with, nothing that he could even pick this bed up with, was filled with strength, was filled with life so that he got up and he picked up that bed and he went home. So Jesus does have power. He does have authority to forgive us of our sins. Because this man got up and went home. I come to a close. There's something that the Lord is holding out to us this afternoon. He puts it before us in this story. And that is forgiveness. What do we do with forgiveness? I'll ask if, if you have never been forgiven, if the Lord has never forgiven you for your sins, what you have done and who you are, God says, I have power to forgive. I do. You don't have to reform your life or clean it up or get it to this certain level. No. I have forgiveness. You are paralyzed. I have forgiveness. And if you come to Him, that is what you will find. You will find forgiveness. I'm going to ask, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian, but you fear that you've, you've run that forgiveness dry? Something that you have done stands in the way of you being forgiven. You've done enough wrong and now that forgiveness is gone. No, when Christ said, I forgive you, it was one time, but it had lasting effects that will forever last for your entire life. That is what Jesus said. That's not what what I'm saying or something that I think, oh, maybe is in this story. No, that's what Jesus said. He said, once forgiven, always forgiven. And you can trust that word. Or do we have unsaved friends or family who need forgiveness? Well, their greatest need is to get to Christ. And what will enliven us to seek that for them to get them there is believing that He does forgive these men, these women that we know. The last category you know of a Christian who is struggling to know that they are forgiven? In this story, it's often talked about kind of in an evangelistic way, getting some unsaved person to Jesus. But in this story, the paralyzed man actually wanted to get to Christ. And so in some ways, it fits this illustration better where do you know someone who wants to get to Christ, but they can't do it? They can't see past their sin. They can't see past what they have done and who they are. If they get to Christ, there is forgiveness, and they will see it. So hold it out to them. Hold Christ out to them. Be determined. If it helps... 
I mean, repair it later, but tear, tear a hole in the ceiling if it helps to get someone to Jesus. Because with Him, we, you and me, have forgiveness. Let's close now. And let's go to the One who has given us forgiveness for our sins this day. Our gracious, our forgiving, loving Heavenly Father, what can we say to this unspeakable gift that You have given to Thy people? Forgiveness for our sins. Lord, this everlasting forgiveness. We ask that we would know it. We would see it. That we would love it. That we would love Thee. That we would hold it out. That we would cry in the streets, there is forgiveness with God. Lord, teach us. Because we forget. Lord, teach us that we are forgiven. Take not this beautiful truth from our eyes, we pray. As long as we dwell we pilgrimage on this earth to go with thy people now and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.